Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. We are in the middle of our fall kickoff season, and so we want to talk about another one of our local church's uh, key strategic initiatives today. And to do that, I am joined by our spiritual practices pastor, Mandy Casper. Mandy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, can we first of all check in just on how you're doing and how things are going in your life and family these days? My life and family these days? Well, we are um, into, I can't believe we're saying the words into the swing of fall. Uh, I still feel like it should be the middle of summer, but yeah, getting back into just fall routines. I got kids going in so many different directions. I've got two in post-secondary. Uh, my youngest is starting grade 10 and like jobs and musical theater things. And we just have everybody going all kinds of places. So it's a busy season, but uh, lots of life happening. Lots of good stuff. I went this past weekend to sit out by the pool just for <laughs> about half an hour. And it felt like, you know, how your backyard represents sort of summer mode. Yeah, especially yeah. Especially if you have a pool. I walked out there and I thought, man, it's been months since I've been back here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like yesterday. Yeah, like, <laughs> just, take it away. No. <laughs> I feel so emotionally far now from the summer. Yeah. And it's only the middle of September. It's, 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 it's wow. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about just generically how things are going at work? I know we're going to get into a specific conversation, but how, how's your world these days? Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's one that's full of lots of life and things spinning in lots of directions. I'm loving um, the more I'm just getting to know the Southridge community and getting to experience our different locations and, and stuff like that. We're making some new tries and stuff this fall with uh, just interesting creative ideas and just feels like there's lots going on. So um, it's good. Yeah. Uh, in recent months, you've preached a little bit more. Right. How's that feel? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Is that the <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, that's one of those things that where I just, I don't know, I experience and encounter God the most and I experience and encounter my own um, frailty and vulnerability the most. So it's a little like walking a tight wire, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a new areas of growth to explore. It's interesting, you know, there's, there's people who would hate preaching and public speaking in that, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who enjoy it. And it, it, it's funny because some enjoy it for the opportunity to be in public. Yeah, yeah. And some enjoy it for what happens in private. Yeah. yeah. And when I heard you talk, I thought, you know, that's, that's, I haven't shared that about myself, but I, 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 I don't terribly aspire to speak in public yeah very much but i i always love the preparatory process and what god does to and in me yes and in that sense i love getting to be part of the regular rhythm of it so it's it's interesting for people who are listening especially leaders listening you know probably appreciating that that that's true of them as well yeah it, it's one of those things that it's like it burns inside my heart, like both in the prep and, and also I would say in the fruit of, of how it comes out in the end. And I'm just like, but why do I have to do it in front of people? You know, like, what do you <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got these cameras now that just record. So technically <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, no. you're not in front of people, but <laughs> yeah. 
doesn't make it any easier, does it? No, it doesn't. Okay, well, let's dive in. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was mentioned at our Vision Night uh, service that one of the strategic initiatives, one of the senses of where God's leading our community is, the, the way that we described it was to, fur- to further live out the fullness of the vision of what we call love beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive in and spend some extended minutes talking about this because there's certainly some complexity and some nuance to this conversation. So I guess for starters, what, from your understanding, what is love beyond belief? Yeah, love beyond belief, which was a new term to me um, when I arrived at Southridge, is uh, kind of, I don't know whether you call it a theological framework or I kind of think of it as a community framework. Uh, you know, where we recognize that within Christendom and certain issues, there are two different um, theological positions that people, genuine Jesus following people, genuine like biblical scholar type people uh, study and come out at a two different positions. And so it's kind of recognizing that on some of these sort of disputable matter things that um, there are different perspectives and we want to choose to love one another beyond what our individual beliefs might be, no matter what end of the spectrum we come out on any certain issue on. That's a very... Is that decent? Well summarized uh, articulation of, of what I would understand this to be. I, I, mm. I do personally feel like it's a theology of sorts because mm-hmm. it, it ultimately comes from uh, some pages and especially the, the, the Romans 14, 15 passage uh, in scripture. Right. Um, but it's, it's really about remaining unified around the primacy of Jesus' new covenant, new commandment, law of love, as a higher priority than dividing and separating over ancillary theological distinctives. Ancillary not being unimportant or meaningless to people, but ancillary being non-essential for salvation uh, as as important and as, as deeply as people would hold those convictions. And you mentioned, you know, the, the polarization of two disparate views. Sometimes it's more than two. I think about uh, end times theology, for example. Yeah, yeah. There are many views yeah. on, you know, how this thing all kind of wraps up. And uh, and I think there, an example like that, you know, there are biblically rooted, wise you know, committed to scholarship and the seriousness of the scriptures. They've got what's called a high view of scriptures um, who are Holy Spirit empowered and yep. certainly godly fruit of the spirit bearing people that land in different places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this, this, this theological position that we've got to be able to retain the oneness that Jesus prayed for in John 17 with his final breath before he gave his life up for the sin of people like you and me. And so that's kind of what it is. I guess the flip side would be what isn't it for for clarity for people listening? Well, I would say what it isn't is what you just sort of articulated, but it's not saying that beliefs don't matter. It's not saying don't have convictions. Um, It's not saying that you have to change your convictions to be in relationship with somebody else. It's um, it's none of those. It's, It's just recognizing the things that we're not going to divide over, I think is how I would say it. Yeah, the important thing, I think, for for Southridge members listening, but also for leaders from other churches that have been paying attention to this concept, it's not relativism. Right. It's not whatever's true for you is true for you, and whatever's true for me is true for me. Like, 
love beyond belief continues to seek the objective truth of the authority of the scriptures and ultimately the person of Jesus, the living word through whom the written word describes, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's, it's, it's not that each of us are the captain of our own ship and this is a godless, truthless, you know, r- relative society. We're looking to the scriptures as God's source of, of truth. We're just conceding that a scriptures written thousands of years ago by people in different contexts, using different languages, you know, requires some interpretation on our part. And at the end of the day, conceding that there are differences of interpretation that we have to fight through in order to retain the unity and diversity that Jesus intends. And so that's a very, I think, important uh, distinction of what it is versus wasn't what what it isn't, which of course opens up then the the broader conversation. You know, when you talk about you mentioned the phrase disputable matters, these non-salvation essentials mm-hmm. that we have to foster unity and diversity. And like probably the biggest disputable matter is what is a disputable matter. And so in your mind, what constitutes a, a, a disputable matter? Yeah. Well, you you've kind of hit on the key things already. Like non-salvation issues, I think is kind of sort of the entry point is like, we're not debating about Jesus here. Um, and those sort of like core foundational um, Christian beliefs. And also I, I think that um it's not just anything that someone can see from two different perspectives. Like we're looking at things that for which there is like robust theological research um, and like deep scriptural study that's gone into that does genuinely come up with different perspectives. So those are kind of the two things that I root myself on when, it, when kind of playing with like what gets to count in this, which is a terrible way to say it, but right, um, right. how do we not just let everything be up for debate? Yeah. Right. Because the point is not everything is being legitimately biblically disputed. Right. Yeah. And so that that that's probably the, the most significant criteria behind disputable matters is that they're actually matters that smart, godly, fruit of the spirit bearing, serious minded biblical people are disputing. Mm-hmm. And and within that bandwidth, uh, certainly it opens up the conversation. Now one of the most immediate or I would say urgent applications of love beyond belief, knowing that this applies to all kinds of different kind of theological ideas, but one of them has been in relation to our church's capacity to include LGBTQ plus people mm-hmm. into the life and ministry of our community. That's what we discussed a couple of weeks ago at Vision Night. Mm-hmm. Briefly, again, we're summarizing stuff, but how does love beyond belief apply to a church's capacity for LGBTQ plus inclusion. Right. Well, I think it's, I mean, that's obviously we know one of the hottest, um, hottest, oh, I hate all these language. Like it's one of the most um, difficult issues that not just the church, but the world is wrestling with these days is um, the issue of same-sex sexuality. And it's just recognizing that while maybe for the long trajectory of the church, people look far back and go like, oh, it's always been viewed just in this traditional um, sort of uh, biblical definition of marriage and sexuality certain way. But increasingly um, over the last number of years, there's been increased scholarship recognizing that like, hey, there is actually a different way to wrestle with the scriptures um, than we have done before that come out to actually a different like a theology that does affirm same-sex sexuality and trying to recognize, you know, is there space for us 
to honor and respect that different theological position than maybe what has been the traditional position um, of our church or of our denomination, that sort of thing. Recognizing this as this is actually maybe a disputable matter that we, the church, have um, ignored and neglected and, and treated poorly for way too long. Hmm. Now, it's interesting. I appreciate that you're narrowing this conversation really quickly and really specifically around the the biblical interpretation of the definition of marriage. Hmm. Because just to be clear, we're not talking about sexuality just in the broader sense, you know, sexuality outside of marriage uh, or sexuality beyond your marriage, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're talking about the, the biblical definition of marriage. And I hope people can appreciate that in the context of all things human sexuality, that narrows the conversation significantly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you get into simply that issue, you recognize that people in churches today hold a diversity of views. They do, yeah. People, people, you know, they read different stuff and they, they follow different biblical scholars. And so they hold different views. And the question we've been asking for some time is, does everyone have to believe the same thing in order to be part of our community? Does everyone have to share the same view? Or is the biblical definition of marriage something that, while very important, is actually outside of uh, a salvation essential and therefore, in that sense, open to dispute or, or permissive of a greater fostering or even obligation of unity and diversity, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So when you talk about love beyond belief and applying this, not just to LGBTQ plus inclusion, but to the biblical definition of marriage, I guess my question is, why does LGBTQ plus inclusion center so much or depend on that biblical definition of marriage? What's that link? cohesive unit but within the church they're made to feel second-class citizens because we're you know holding as supreme this other belief that says well you know this 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 form of family is um valid and this form of family somehow is something less than like it just it segregates so quickly and it, it others in a most intimate way that like almost nothing else that we do does yeah, and I would say it, it, it not only creates that feeling, that, that the impact of that feeling, but it functionally can cause separation in second-class citizenship if the embracing of a single theological interpretation becomes required for things, right? Required right. for membership or even required for like baptism or required to serve in leadership. Or if it becomes a requirement, then there's not just this relational impact of, well, I'm less than, but there's actually a functional roadblock to the fullness with which you can belong and participate in the life of a local church community. Yeah, which again, I think just subconsciously, whether we want it to or not, reinforces again the relational distancing as well. Like it creates this vicious cycle. Exactly. So back, we're now going to go pre-pandemic, if you can imagine. Back in January of 2020, we actually navigated this conversation with some leaders from our denomination. Mm -hmm. and wanting to kind of create a little bit more space 
for the inclusion of uh, LGBTQ plus people, and frankly, not even just LGBTQ plus people, but people who would lean towards holding that in the vernacular, uh, that more affirming view. Can you recall back that far? And obviously you were newer to Southridge back then, but how do you remember that conversation going? Yeah, I know that, um, like we couldn't say it was easy. It, it wasn't an easy conversation. It hasn't been an easy conversation anytime that you're um, challenging assumptions that have been held for so long and the ways that things have quote unquote always been done, you know, um, it's difficult. And so, we engaged with um, the conference, and I sort of I wear those both hats because, as you know, I I've been on the conference board um, for five years as well. So being both part of Southridge and part of the Ontario conference um, gives me unique perspective <laughs> into the conversations. And I think like it was challenging on both sides, as it should be. Um, but I feel like we both came into it with um, you know healthy, good, honest hearts that want wanting to honestly wrestle with the issues. Um, and just able to have those conversations together. And I think we, we were able to come out to a place that was, you know, um, mutually supportive while, you know, us as Southridge sort of, you know, pushing up against the, the boundary lines of like how much space for inclusion can we make still within our confession, still within the bounds that have been placed um, upon us by the conference? How can we create more inclusive space for, for queer folk um, in our community and hopefully beyond? And so um, we had lots of conversations. We had lots of, you know, understanding each other's hearts and the journey of how we'd gotten here. And we did um, arrive at a position where the conference kind of said, well, here's, you know, here's the, um, we call that rules of engagement. Here's the, here's the sandbox you can play in. Um, they allowed us to push beyond what they perhaps would have felt comfortable with, um, initially, but said, you know, we can make more space, um, for the LGBTQ community to participate fully within Southridge with some restrictions. <laughs> yeah. I would say the, the spirit of the conversation, like you said, it wasn't just challenging, but it, it was actually, uh, eager to be supportive. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to pit us against the denomination and the, the people that we were dialoguing with as, as enemies or as enemies of queer folk no, or people no. who hold affirming views. Um, certainly on the denominations side, uh, they embraced our heart to cultivate a greater degree of unity and diversity mm -hmm. in a community like ours and foster a great uh, a greater degree of that that John 17 uh, oneness that we see in Jesus at the same time knowing that their subject especially here in Ontario we're part of a national denomination and even a, a, a global body um, there's we're subject to a confession of faith that we all have ascribed to and that confession of faith currently holds only the traditional de definition of marriage. And so where it kind of landed is, you know, you can cultivate some unity and diversity amongst your, your church, but in your public teaching and in those most senior leadership functions, senior pastoral and board functions, you know, you, you need to commit to leading within the confession. That was the language leading within the confession. Right. And so at the time, you know, that, that kind of allowed us to move in a direction of love beyond belief, but you know, five yards from the finish line five yards from the fullness of what it would be like for both of those views to be able to be held and lived out equally. Would you, would you say that that was what you felt the conversation was about? Yeah, I think very much. It was very much a heart for creating more space 
Um, but yeah, and it was still, you know, what would fit, like you said, what would fit within the confession. More space than had been had before, but still shy of full space, I would say, is also the... Yeah. Yeah. So coming out of the pandemic and kind of kicking off in our, our vision night where we talked there, you know, our, our leaders now have sought to re-engage uh, our denominational leadership in this conversation. Again, we've taken a two and a half, three year hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what do you understand we're hoping to accomplish now? I think what we've seen over the, um, you know, the, whether it's the the effects of the pandemic or whatnot, the last two years seem to have sort of catapulted certain conversations and certain experiences forward faster than we maybe anticipated. And I think we are just very much feeling the the limitations still of not truly being a full zenith love beyond belief community that, that there are still, you know, even if they're just little pockets of separateness, we're feeling the weight of those pockets of separateness too heavy. And so um, I think our heart is just like, you know, can we be set free to actually be love beyond belief people um, all the way in this and allow for the equal space to be held within our community, whether somebody holds true to a traditional definition of marriage or an affirming definition of marriage, can those two people simply be free and equal anywhere within Southridge? Yeah, and so we've, we've embarked on this re-conversation with the denomination, knowing that the confession of faith really is not up for debate at this point. And based on the, the, the journey with our conference leadership back in 2020, you know, the, the parameters of what it means to officially participate in the conference is also not up for debate. And so, you know, in your seat as a conference board member, I, I think that you know that, that those aren't questions at this point that Southridge is seeking to, to ask. I think what we're asking is, you know, what kind of relationship can we have with a denomination? What, what degree to which can we participate, you know, if we were to now coming out of the pandemic, live out love beyond belief with its full potential and full zenith, where... The, the language I've used is before the pandemic, we were almost fully living out love beyond belief in order to remain fully aligned with the confession of faith and the denomination. Right. What happens, you know, what would happen or what's our capacity if we switch those two around? What, what would that or could that look like if we were almost fully aligned with the confession of faith, with the exception of potentially this one issue, in order to fully live out the zenith of love beyond belief and remove that glass ceiling for not just LGBTQ folk, but people who hold an affirming view. And so that's that's the conversation that we've kind of opened up recently. Right. From your perspective, I would say, what's... Well, I'll start with what is negotiable and what is non-negotiable in, in, in our spirit in having this conversation right now. Right, right. From our Southridge, um, from our Southridge heart. I think, I mean, what is negotiable is what does that definition of unity look like? Like it is the, the whole heart behind love beyond belief is to not um, tear relationship, is to not break unity, is to not have separate walls between us. Um, as Jesus followers. And so we're asking the same question with the conference of like, what, what does unity look like? Does that mean, you know, we create different categories for Southridge, you know, sort of belonging or, or what would you need to, what would you need to do or put around us in order so that you could let us still belong and be part of the family while recognizing that, yeah, we're, we're going beyond the confession of faith um, in, in this practice on this one issue. So that's, I think what's, 
you know, what we're calling <laughs> negotiable, what's non-negotiable um, would be that I think that we are still going to continue to pursue the both and of trying to create as safe a place as possible for queer folk and affirming um, belief holding folk. That's a good distinction that you made, um, Jeff, that not not everybody who is holding the affirming position is because they happen to be queer, but simply because that's their conviction before the Lord. So um, how do we create as safe a space as possible um, for those people with as much unity as possible with the conference, with our own church, like with everybody we possibly can? Yeah. For people listening, especially leaders from other churches, I don't know what your opinion or even conviction is on denominations. Some churches are huge into them. Some churches are non-denominational. Um, you know, for the record, we value being part of a, a larger umbrella. We value the community, the shared relationships, the shared mission, and the shared beliefs that that kind of bind us together in the larger body of Christ. And uh, we've been part of this since our church started over 40 years ago. So uh, we'd love to, to remain in unity. And as you know, as the scriptures teach, even when it comes to disputable matters, to not break fellowship over them. Mm-hmm. And we would love to remain in some official, unofficial, you know, interim, whatever, suspended. I don't know what the words you would use. Some relationship, uh, you know, with our denomination, with its various churches and ministries, while continuing to create increasingly safer space for LGBTQ. And so that both and, you know, as you're summarizing is certainly not for the faint of heart, I guess. <laughs> um, wh- where do you see the conversation currently at? You and I attended a, a meeting uh, this past week with some denominational leaders. What happened at that meeting? Yeah. So the denomination called together, basically invited every single one of our ONMB churches across the province to come together for a day of like clear an entire day and let's hear one another's hearts. You know, they wanted to hear from some of the churches, including Southridge, but not only Southridge within our denomination, which are seeking to create um, wider open space. Um, some even, you know, going beyond where Southridge is seeking to go. And and how can we hear from one another, hear the experiences that we're having with the LGBTQ community, with that we're having with our church communities, that we're having with the community, which frankly matters the most, which is the one beyond the walls of our church. And just like, how are we um, journeying this issue, each one? And so we wanted to hear from um, those perspectives as well as the perspectives of the sides who are very, um, very hesitant to even open this conversation and just be like, can we hear each other's hearts? Can we understand where we're coming from? Can we see the Jesus that is so clear in each one of our eyes? But can we just like dial down the polarization and the fear and all of all of those emotions that can get complicated and understand one another's journeys so that we can try and figure out what can unity and what can Jesus look like together moving forward? And so I would say that conversation is continuing. Um, the the listening that we're doing, it was, um, I mean, it was a good, honest day. Uh, and I'm hoping that there were lots of seeds planted that will continue to um, grow beyond our own community in our conference. And so, yeah, so we're continuing the conversation Um Asking the conference, you know, what can belonging look like if we move that yardstick, as you kind of said, and figuring out, you know, what uh, what we're all collectively willing and able to make space for. Yeah, I don't know how many denominations, at least in our country, have have pulled people together mm-hmm. to have a meeting on uh, 
these kinds of subjects, like you said, it was extremely diverse mm-hmm. in the perspectives represented. But I feel like the fact that that meeting happened, the fact that a denomination was willing to pull that meeting together, the fact that people participated in respect, in humility, in love, in commitment to their convictions, you know, with passion, with um, personally, I found it quite remarkable. I don't know where God will lead and what's going to happen as a result of it, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I found it pretty cool to at least be part of a kind of conversation like that, that happened in the spirit in which it did. Yeah, uh, I, I guess even, even having those conversations, like no matter what the result out of them is, like we're so poor at even having these open conversations where we have different perspectives. So I agree with you that the exercise itself is only good for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a Seth Ridge member listening, Mandy, like, and you wanted to know more, you wanted to participate a little bit more directly in the conversation, at least with people from our church, what, what would you say uh, to someone from our own church if they wanted to engage in this more directly? Yeah, well, and even if, because I know we have a lot of uh, folks kicking around these days who are maybe newer to Southridge, um, as I was just a few years ago. And so I'd say, like, if this whole conversation is new to you, like, grab a coffee with somebody for whom it's not new to and, um, you know, sort of catch up, hear some of the story ask your questions. Um, I mean, our staff are always around for that. So our life group leaders, so are the people sitting in the chairs beside you at church. So just learn some, you know, more of the story and history and where it's come from. Um, Engaging in relationship simply with one another, engaging in relationship, like widening your own circle, whatever you think your current, you know, belief or spot is in this, like to widen your circle and to get into the lives of people who are holding this differently than you and seeing this differently than you um, engages you deeper into it, especially, you know, um, relationships with uh, whether it's it's queer folk or people who are holding an affirming position. Like if that's the different um, thing to you, then like get in there and hear the real stuff and and witness real lives, you know, because the we can we can have all these thoughts in our heads and what we think we believe and what we think we perceive, and then when you're in living relationship. Uh, with real people, it's amazing how what's truer becomes much clearer. So that kind of stuff. And again, if the conversation is new to you, like there are such great resources um, that can help with this. I know that um, was the book Generous Spaciousness by Wendy Gritter something. Yeah, Wendy Gritter. Yeah. Um, was a game changing book for me that just helped me, you know, wrap my head around um, the, the love beyond belief framework and that kind of stuff. So, so all of that, you can pray for us, you can um, catch up on the vision night talk, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we are going to try to uh, make some community wide town hall meetings happen. I know that we did that back in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll try to do a little bit of that you know, kind of during the fall, a location specific tour or something just to update on all things ministry, but uh, allow people more directly to, to engage uh, personally in this conversation. So look, uh, look forward to that. If you're listening from Southridge, uh, I guess, as we wrap up, Mandy, any final encouragements or challenges to either our members or leaders listening when it comes to this, hopefully win-win of living out the fullness of love beyond belief, especially as it relates to LGBTQ inclusion in as unifying a way possible with especially a, a, a broader church and kingdom family. Mm-hmm. I, um, 
heard somebody say something really beautiful this week. He was talking about how um, how kind of wild and ridiculous it is that we um, focus so much of our relational cohesion on whether, like in the Christian in the, the Christian bubble world, on whether or not somebody believes the same thing that we believe. And he was saying how like over the life of my whole journey with Jesus, like there have been so many stepping stones as I grew in my understanding and my experience of who God is and what it means to live a Christ-filled life. And he said, they're all stepping stones. And yet we make these, you know, this wild thing, like we should all believe, like be on the exact same stepping stone at the exact same spot, um, at the exact same time, sorry. And I just thought it was such a beautiful reminder of that's right. Like I'm not done stepping stones and there are stepping stones that I have crossed. Like we're all in, we're all on a journey. And so I find that remembering, like just remember your own journey and think back on, on how your understanding of God has grown and let that grow your grace and the openness of your heart to somebody else who is maybe holding something differently than you are currently holding it. If we can all hold that with humility. And, um, and the other thing I think is like, just remember what it feels like to be loved, like what it feels like to be wanted in community, in relationship, just as a person. And remember what it feels like to not be or to not feel that you are. And let's try to keep that forefront in our minds as we're interacting with one another, not just around this issue, but certainly around this issue. Like I want to chase the I want to chase the wide open arms of Jesus, all encompassing love. I want to experience it. I want to be it. Because that is the thing that changes everything that matters. So let's just do that. Let's be that kind of community, whatever that looks like, one step at a time. That is my desperate hope for every one of us, starting with me. Really appreciate you sharing your heart on that, Mandy. And thanks for checking in with us, knowing you're wearing kind of both hats, the Southridge pastor and the uh, board member with our with our denomination. I love the fact that you get to be part of straddling these two worlds. And I really appreciate you uh, taking some time to share with us today. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And to all of you listening in, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Bye.